your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to the Crosstalk PM, the most wonderful time of the year, Keith. I, I agree, Rick. The day after Trump is impeached. <laughs> oh, you meant Christmas? I, I, that... I did mean Christmas. Oh, okay. I thought you meant impeachment. Uh, 608-785-7914, Viterbo political science professor Keith Knutson in studio with us. So if you have, if you want to talk Trump, if you want to talk impeachment, if you want to talk anything surrounding politics, call in. 608-785-7914. Everything go as expected? Pretty close. Uh, uh, pretty close to straight party line voting. Um, and uh, uh, one uh, Democrat uh, left the party, uh, Van Drew from New Jersey. Um, Colin Peterson in Minnesota, uh, where Trump carried that district, I think I read today, by 31%, um, voted against on both uh, counts. A third Democrat voted against on the second count, and Tulsi Gabbard from Hawaii um, uh, voted present, uh, and she's caught some degree of flack on, on that vote. Um, no Republican uh, voted uh, for impeachment. Of course, Justin Amash, who left the party last summer over the whole impeachment process, voted to impeach. We don't talk about Tulsi Gabbard at all unless... She does something that nobody's, you know what I mean? Like, hey, you know what? How do I get my name on national news? Do, do that. Um, yeah, she's, uh, for me, an enigma. Um, she is a, a combat veteran. Uh, she uh, uh, has some appeal, but, uh, uh, of course, is not on the debate stage tonight. The, uh, there are seven Democrats on the debate stage. Are we doing the debate? Did they, did they end the they, strike? The, uh, uh, yes. Uh, of course, uh, uh, Democratic candidates for them said they wouldn't cross the picket line. Um, and uh, that must have helped uh, settle this strike. And the debate is going forward at uh, uh, St. Mary's um, uh, Marymount uh, in Los Angeles, uh, uh, the, the debate site. Um, lost lost my train of thought. Oh, uh, also trying to make headlines. Like Ron Kine, I'm not telling. I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do think, tomorrow. I uh, think, uh, you know, political scientists think about representat- representatives as um, delegates. Um, that is, do I stay in touch with my district and do anything and everything they want? Or is the uh, representative a trustee? Uh, does the elected representative say, thanks for uh, voting for me? Uh, I'll go off and do my job. And when my term is up, I'll come back and you can decide if I've been trustworthy. Of course, no representative is entirely one or the other. Um, but I think, uh, in my estimation, Ron Kine plays this um, uh, role of the trustee uh, quite effectively. Um, we've, we're talking about this before the show. Uh, president Trump, uh, candidate Trump became president carrying this dis, uh, the third congressional district by I think five percentage points. Mm-hmm. Uh, we looked it up that year. Ron Kind had no uh, Republican opposition. He won ninety nine percent of uh, the vote for Congress that year. Uh, Twenty eighteen. Uh, kind, uh, kind had an opponent who won about something like forty-five percent. Uh, kind won with sixty percent of forty percent over Steve Toft in twenty eighteen. Um, and, and so, uh, 
It's, 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 it, for me, it's not a problem that Ron Kine did not speak up on this impeachment process. Um, he voted, with, uh, uh, of course, with his party. I'm presuming he voted his conscience. He's a Harvard Law graduate. I think he's pretty well versed in our Constitution. Um, I think he read this one uh, 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 in agreement with me, but that doesn't mean it's right. That means— is he, uh, is he playing it safe there? Like, oh, maybe the Democrats won't? I mean, we all, he, he knew how many people were going to—you know, we, we kind of knew where it was going to go. Congressman Kine generally, uh, I think we'd call him a moderate, and so he is uh, perhaps not inclined to get out in front on this impeachment issue. Um, uh, I can't were, wait to talk to you about when the election comes, superdelegates and Kine voting for um, Hillary I, and the superdelegates. <laughs> I, I, I look forward to that discussion. Um, uh, look, he, he's been our representative uh, for two decades over that now, almost a quarter of a century, I suppose. And uh, why does he keep winning? Um, he's uh, representing his district effectually. He's a member of the Democratic Party. He's a, a, a loyal member of that party. But I think he, um, and I can't pull out the votes, but he's willing to uh, uh, vote his conscience. And I respect that myself yeah and it, it and he doesn't have to tell you how he's gonna vote and maybe he's thinking about it you know what maybe maybe i'm maybe i'm not so maybe he wasn't sure which way he was gonna I vote think that, um, that that's a possibility uh eric from sparta's wait not hold we'll go to him eric you're on with keith knutson on the crosstalk pm go ahead hello mr knutson i have a question for you hello eric thank uh, you i wanted can you tell me uh why president trump is a clear and present danger to United States security. Um, and one more thing about this: uh, the riot they had down in Cameron Park last night. Who the hell hurt that woman who got down there? Anyway, another thing is, I appreciate you keep your uh, answers short so we get more calls for you. I thank you very much, sir. I, I appreciate you. I really do. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate you um, and our interaction. Uh, Eric yesterday said you incited the riot. By the way. Um, I was at Cameron Park. Um, my headphones aren't going. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, as the uh, uh, as the event uh, began, um, uh, Republicans, Trump supporters, showed up with a man a really big banner. I mean, that was a huge banner that these people had, and uh, uh, they were over towards Fourth Street. And then they, um, as uh, uh, the rally progressed. They moved in back behind the rally. Um, and then uh, uh, some of the people from the rally were trying to block their banner. It was so big it couldn't be blocked. Uh, and, <laughs> and then they, they walked uh, on the west side of where the rally was, and, and I think they wanted to get behind the, the speaker's podium. And it was at that point that uh, I think a woman from the rally got caught up in the banner, the affair. She, I, I, when I got over there, she was on the ground. Uh, uh, the Trump supporters with the uh, the banner. Uh, I asked them to uh, please not move. Uh, she was caught up in the the banner, um, and uh, they uh, uh, stopped. And uh, uh, the woman got up. Uh, and uh, I think uh, at that point, then um, uh, the 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 people holding the the Trump banner, uh, in, at least as I observed. Uh, uh, kind of packed it up and, and, and gave it up. Now, our Brad Williams was over there. He tried to get pictures. He couldn't. But do you think that's maybe because he shoved the woman? I think maybe. <laughs> Brad. <laughs> not, not Brad. Uh, 
both Brad, I, I, I think Brad was over on, on the left side of, of the audience with me. Um, um, it, it, it got in the news. Um, it it uh, was not a, uh, uh, the woman who ended up on the ground uh, could tell her own story, um, and the people with the banner could tell theirs. I can only tell from my perspective. I just showed up um, uh, from behind the podium when she was on the ground, and the people with the banner were very cooperative to help the woman get up. Uh, I, I think there was no love lost between the men with the banner and, and the woman on the ground, but that's all there was to it. Right. So you didn't incite a riot? Is that what you're trying to say? Uh, I, I try not to do that. Right? Oh, okay. Uh, we got a texter. Let's see. Kevin texted in. Ron Kind hides in the bushes most of the time. That's his trademark. Keep his head low. Um, so, look, Rick, you and I are on the radio, and we're talking politics, and, and many people contribute. Um, uh, a representative in the United States Congress uh, has a responsibility to stay in touch with his or her district. In my estimation, Ron Kine does a very effectual job of that. Um, and uh, for any uh, uh, of our uh, fellow citizens in this district who want to criticize Congressman Kind, um, that, of course, goes with the territory. But he has been our representative for over two decades. That tells me that he's doing something right. What? That's not. No, that's just luck. He's lucking into these elections. Um it is. We know that once someone is elected uh, once, twice, three times, it is difficult to defeat an incumbent. Um, but these are tumultuous times. And in 2018, some number of Republicans uh, did lose. That's how the Democrats uh, picked up their majority. Uh, 2018 was a big swing election. Uh, we talked that Kine got 60 percent of the vote with a, a Republican opponent. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see um, what happens uh, in 2020, uh, will a Republican come forward and run against uh, uh, Congressman Kind? And what will be the result? Because, of course, Donald Trump is intending to be on the ballot. All right. We're going to take a break for news here. Libertarian guy, you're going to have to hold or call me back. We'll be back after this on Wisdom. Good old Santa Claus. Down All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. All for the little ones Christmas Get rid of that. Uh, libertarian guy has been waiting on hold. We're going to go to him right away. He's on and in studio, of course, is Keith Knutson from Viterbo University. Uh, go ahead, Libertarian guy. Yes. Hello, Rick and Professor Knutson. Hey, I just wanted to point out an observation. And um, again, as a Libertarian, I'm not real concerned about this. My leaning would be Trump. But I'm not real concerned about this impeachment because of the fact that I'm, I'm quite confident that the Senate is going to just exonerate him and, and we're going to be able to move on. But what I am concerned about is the fact that we have become so polarized in our society that we have members of Congress fighting back and forth with one another. And then a microcosm of that is what happens locally, including in La Crosse, where you get one faction you know, for Trump, one faction against Trump, and they're you know, arguing back and forth. So the case in point here is we've got 435 members in Congress, and not a single one of them voted, um, you know, their, their dissent. And there, there were the two votes, and I know Professor Knudsen, you pointed this out. The Democrat was so polarized that even though she may have wanted to vote no against um, impeachment, she ends up voting present. And the one so-called Republican, which is Justin Amash, who's really a libertarian, mm -hmm. in, even though he voted yes for impeachment, 
he is now removed from the Republican Party and um, is just considered an independent. And so it becomes a straight party-line vote. The Founding Fathers warned us against this, that if you break up into political parties, that we become polarized. And I think I think that's what's happened. And as a libertarian, I'd like to stop getting excluded from debates and things and get rid of this polarization. So just yeah. wanted to point out that, that observation. Hey, libertarian guy, um, you still you still there? Yes, I am. Uh, uh, is, is your uh, commitment to libertarianism um, both economics and social? Um, of course, the last presidential candidate, Gary Johnson, um, advocating... Um, I, th- I think it's safe to say legalization of marijuana. Um, that seems to be catching on across the country. That's more the social side of libertarianism. Um, and then there's there's the, the economic side of uh, small government, lower levels of taxes, um, and uh, uh, opposition to, um, well, when we talk about small government, then opposition to um, uh Benefit delivery programs. Um, do you have Do you have one side or the other where you you have a preference? That is one side of um, uh, uh, social or economic. Um, I don't have a preference, and I guess I just want to respond to what you've said by saying thank you. <laughs> it sounds like you've actually researched libertarianism, and that's the benefit of libertarianism. Uh, libertarianism because they are very fiscally conservative. We shouldn't be running up budget deficits like this and just both sides just caving in to getting whatever they want. And then we have this huge deficit spending and corporate welfare and all of that. Um, That's a problem. On the other hand, libertarians are very socially liberal in the sense that we want people to be able to do what they want to do as long as they're not taking somebody else's stuff Mm-hmm. through taxes or through other means, and, and as long as they're not interfering with the rights of others. Now, it's interesting you bring up the legalization of marijuana, and the reality is, as soon as somebody goes to that issue, then it becomes argumentative, because people have the impression that just because libertarians think that the drug war is a problem, that it's very expensive, that it does a lot of harm, while it may do some good, it does a lot of harm, you have police breaking into people's residence that have nothing to do <laughs> with drugs, um, you know, that kind of stuff. That doesn't mean that libertarians support drug use, because on the whole, they don't. I, I actually work with people who have substance abuse problems, and mm-hmm. just because it's legal or just because it's made illegal doesn't stop people from using it. But we should stop putting people into prisons because of their use. So, so to get back to your question, yeah, I support libertarianism because... They're the best of both parties. They're fiscally conservative, smaller government, but also socially liberal. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Uh, uh, fun talking with you. And uh, uh, I do want to uh, apologize on the air for um, the last time I was here. I was, I was quite uh, uh, curt and, and uh, 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 not fair to you. And, and your uh, uh, this libertarian, um, I'm going to call it an ideology, and I don't use that as a dirty word, um, uh-huh. is, uh, uh, I think, quite attractive to Americans because, of course, we're, um, our, 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 our country, our republic, is born out of a revolution where Patrick Henry says, give me liberty or give me death. And, uh, of course, that flag of don't tread on me. And, and so I, I just wanted to make sure that uh, um, um, I acknowledge my respect for um, 
your your uh, ideology and 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 your stance and uh, I look forward to more discussion with you if we can uh, if if Rick can keep me on the air air here. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I certainly appreciate that. I I do get frustrated because we are excluded from the debates. The media ignores us and right. The research has shown that a lot of people truly are libertarian, but nobody knows it because, you know, we're stuck with this duopoly where the two major parties control everything. Well, and, and so, so I appreciate your comments. Thank and, you. Uh, and, yeah, I'll, I'll let it go at that. Okay. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for the call. Uh, a couple of people waiting on hold here uh, to talk with Keith Knudsen from Viterbo. Tom is waiting. Tom, go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah. Hi. Hello. Um, yeah. You got me? We've got you. Okay, good. I didn't know you knew my name. Um, anyway, um, I like the libertarian guy. I think he <laughs> makes a lot of sense, um, especially with the amount of debt our country is inheriting for our future generations, and, and Trump hasn't helped with that at all. So um, people like Rick Solom is much younger than me. He's going to have to shoulder that weight someday. But I, I, was I can curious. tell you, Tom, Rick has well, big, big shoulders. And he'll, I'm not uh, that young, though. Yeah. Okay, um, go ahead. I just it's, un- it's unfortunate that... Uh, the Vice President Gore was the sole no vote or voted against term limits back in the 90s. Um, I believe Ron Kine ran initially saying he wasn't going to be a lifetime politician. That's why I don't vote for him. I don't. I believe in term limits. I think they need to live under the laws they create, and I'm hoping he gets voted out. Not that he's a bad person or not doing a good job, but I think he needs to live under the laws he creates. And, you know, D.C. does not live under the same laws that um, we all live under. I used to have health care, but uh, with Obamacare making it affordable, it went from 6000 a year to 36000 a year. So I don't have health insurance anymore. So I was just curious your thoughts on, on term limits, and uh, do you think that's a good idea? Oh, um, I, 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 I think I am opposed to term limiting members of Congress, although I've already uh, I'm putting my foot in my mouth here because I've already acknowledged that uh, incumbents uh, win about 90% of the time uh, in the Senate and the House of Representatives. Um, and so I'll just point to this on the screen. Chuck Grassley, 86 years old. Like, like, but there, 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 I feel like a, there's a point. There is a flip side to this, and that is um, why are we going to, through, uh, through a law, um, prevent uh, people from voting for someone who remains in office? That uh, is able to remain in office, remains popular, and maybe has experience. Um, I'm not exactly a spring chicken myself, um, so I've been uh, teaching at the university level for three decades now. I'd like to think I have some uh, useful experience at my institution. And I think some of these members of Congress also have some useful experience. But the, the, the caller's point is well taken. Do our uh, our elected representatives get so entrenched, and is our electoral system um, not functioning effectively enough that legitimate um, and uh, uh, legitimate candidates uh, with uh, great ideas are not able to get elected because they cannot get the uh, uh, fundraising which allows them to get their message out, um, or because many voters. Um, are selecting someone simply on name recognition, and the incumbent carries the advantage with name recognition. Um, and so the, the caller has a, an important point. On the national level, there's only one office with term limits, and that's the presidency, two terms. Let's get to Bob here quick before we hit Scott's comment in the news. Bob, you're on the air with Keith. Go ahead. 
Yeah. I like to uh, kind of debate Mr. Knudsen. Um, uh, can you hold me over? Come on. Uh, we, well, we got it. You're probably going to go to go to news. Well, we'll carry um, you over. I'll ask Rick to do that for us. You want right, to um, wait, Bob? Yeah, we can um, go to news right now. We'll come back. Okay, okay. Sounds good. All right, hold tight. We're going to go to Scott's comment in the news. We'll be back after this. I'm Wisdom. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. Keith Knutson, Viterbo political scientist, in studio with us. Bob's waiting on hold, and there are a bunch of texts, so we're going to try to get all this uh, in before the end of the hour. And on top of that, we want to also kind of reel it back into talking about what that thing that happened yesterday. Uh, uh, that uh, on impeachment. Thing. Uh, yeah. I talked about the Star Wars movie on, on air yesterday. I don't we, should, know. we should get to Bob. He's <laughs> yeah, been very go. patient. Let's go to Bob. Bob, thank you so much for waiting. You're on with Keith now. Go ahead. Yes, hi. Um, I would just like to state a couple things and ask you a couple questions, Mr. Knudsen. Um, when they had this impeachment inquiry in the House, um, was the president given due process? The president was offered uh, the opportunity to respond, and uh, uh, he declined. Um, the due process, you know, when you have a, when you have a hearing, um, the right way to do it, the lawful way to do it, is to let each side um, bring in their own witnesses. And Mr. Schiff and Mr. Nadler and the Democrats did not allow um, the Republicans to call witnesses. They had to ask their permission first, so there was no due process there. Um, for impeachment, um, in order for a president, we should be impeached. Um, under the Constitution, he has to be charged with treason, bribery, or other crimes or misdemeanors. And the two articles of impeachment, neither one of those even came close um, to those, one of those four standards. So what they did is they impeached the president. When he did it, it, it was totally unconstitutional. I mean, and that's why it, it has to be dismissed in the Senate, because this is, I mean, it's unconstitutional. They didn't even charge him with a crime. They actually didn't. Um, so they impeached him for nothing. It's unconstitutional. Um, so, so, Bob, may, may I respond now? Yes. Okay. Um, to impeach a president, uh, the, um, the, the last two uh, articles of 11 articles against Andrew Johnson um, actually uh, were related to his uh, behavior, his demeanor. Um, so uh, now Johnson was not convicted, uh, uh, that uh, he was not convicted by only one vote, but we do have that precedent. Uh, and the Constitution uh, talks about high crimes, uh, bribery, high crimes, misdemeanors. Um, what the president was charged with, uh, there were four constitutional scholars, and even the one the Republicans called before the Judiciary Committee um, did not object to... Um, uh, the, the process the Democrats had, had engaged in, with the exception that he said, hey, w why don't you wait and get more testimony and make a stronger case? So um, I, I don't think there's such a—the uh, the, the Republicans in the House did uh, 
uh, talk a lot about this, but I don't think uh, the constitutional scholars in our uh, country um, are, are going to agree with the position you're taking, Bob. Well, those those professors or whatever, I mean, I'm, I'm going to just be honest here. You know, we got to be honest, Mr. Knudsen. They were all far-left professors out to get the president. Uh, Turley was the only one that really stated the facts, and he said they didn't have a case. Um, no, I don't, th- I don't think Turley said that. I think Turley said you need to be more patient and get more evidence. Um, well, he said he said that too. Yeah, but I, it, I mean, it, I mean, the Democrats are setting. You know, the founders they they feared this. It's called tyranny of the majority, mob rule of the majority, and what they're talking about is um, the House of Representatives, the majority. Um, getting out of control, and that's what happened here. And uh, you know, history is not going to look very kindly um, yeah. on the Democrats for doing this. Because well, there was a lot of uh, 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 speechifying on the House floor yesterday from the Republicans talking about history. Um, I get to teach a lot of history. I always think it's best that uh, uh, actually there are magazines today, uh, current history. So uh, we become quite impatient in making our historical judgments. But I think, indeed, history, that is some time, will make its judgment on this. Um, uh, The president, uh, I don't think there's any – there weren't too many Republicans uh, yesterday who tried to argue that the president did not ask – Ukraine for a favor. Uh, there wasn't a lot of attempt to uh, defend the president on substance of argument, rather much more on on uh, process. And so the the, the impeachment process, uh, very, uh, I would say, brief in the Constitution. Of course, our Constitution is the shortest uh, that exists on the planet, longest serving Constitution on the planet as well. So maybe there's something to be said for the briefness and the interpretation. I think you make a good point, Bob. All right, Bob. We, do we set a precedent and does the impeachment come around um, anytime uh, the House of Representatives gets upset with uh, a president of the United States. That's where we, the people, um, come into play. Are we going to elect representatives who misuse and abuse their constitutional power? And I see that's what this impeachment about. Uh, my view is President Trump did that in um, the call towards, uh, to Ukraine and his policy towards Ukraine starting last spring. Now, Keith, uh, Bucks Lakers tonight. Do you have a preference? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we got another call. Uh, caller, you're on with with Keith. Who is this? This is Ernie. Hey, Ernie, go ahead. Hey, Rick. Um, just a quick question. I might got on the show a little bit late. I don't know. Did you talk anything about Nancy Pelosi not taking her uh, articles of impeachment to the Senate yet? We haven't talked about that, but that is one of the interesting developments that. Uh, uh, the Democrats are discussing uh, right now. Uh, uh, Speaker Pelosi would seem to be well. First, she's got to decide uh, uh, who will be representing the House, who will take the the House impeachment case into the Senate, um, and so it it would take a little bit of time, I suppose, to 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 determine that, but. Uh, uh, Republican Majority Leader McConnell in the Senate um, has uh, publicly stated that uh, these aren't his words, but I think it's a a safe depiction. I have his words. Uh, What are his words? 
Uh, McConnell said on Fox, I think last week, everything I do during this, I will be coordinating with the White House counsel. Okay. There will be no difference between the president's position and our position as to how to handle this. So I was going to say no, no, no light between McConnell and the president or the White House. And uh, uh, Pelosi now seems to be holding back on delivering the impeachment articles to the Senate, uh, uh, hoping for uh, a trial that would be from her perspective, mine as well, uh, fair towards the articles of impeachment. Okay. Can I ask you one more question real quick? Of course. On kind of the same thing. So how do you feel about uh, Mr. Schumer asking for more witnesses when it all should have happened uh, to the House of Representatives as far as calling them witnesses and taking the time to wait and get them subpoenaed if needed be? Well, now I'm going to uh, 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 talk about it as if it were a trial, and uh, then the House of Representatives and the impeachment process being a grand jury. And I think there are examples in uh, trials where witnesses uh, might be discovered and come into the trial even after the grand jury as more evidence uh, comes into play. And, uh, of course, President Trump uh, ordered uh, Mick Mulvaney uh, other important actors, John Bolton, not to testify before the House. So maybe the Democrats hold some cards which would allow uh, in the Senate trial to actually have testimony. And I don't think that would be considered unconstitutional, uh, 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 a perversion of the process. Uh, we got a couple of texts. Thanks for the call, Ernie. A couple of texts here. We're just going to power through some of these uh and they might just be about stuff we talked about earlier. But Ryan just texted him, what's illegal about a favor? You're spinning that the favor is bribery, or is it because she can't get her spending bill passed? Must be Pelosi can't get her spending bill passed. I think the spending bill has been passed, um, and uh, Republicans are not very happy with uh, what's gone through the House, and the Senate is probably going to vote for it because uh, December 20th, which is that is that tomorrow? Um, the uh, uh, funding bill needs to go through or the government shuts down. So I think the spending bill is going to go through, um, and I think the Democrats got quite a bit of what they uh, were uh, battling for. The Republicans are not happy with the increased spending. Uh, what's the other part of Ryan's question? Uh, he said you're spinning this favor as bribery. Yes, I, I think uh, asking a favor. What's for, illegal about it, and you're spinning it as bribery? Uh, uh, for the uh, asking for a favor in the delivery of uh, congressionally passed uh, military aid, um, that is uh, moving in the direction of corruption and bribery. And and the the the, the idea not, that not it's moving asking in the direction a, that is corruption. That's bribery. That's inappropriate. And the idea that he's asking for a political favor. That's you know. A, well, and then asking for a, a U.S. citizen to be investigated by a foreign country. Um, that that that's just as President as candidate Trump did in 2016. Hey, Russia, if you're out there, can you find the emails? Um, President Trump has already publicly said, why doesn't China? 
uh, investigate Trump. So uh, President Trump has the view that he can do anything. Even one of his lawyers argued in a court case that if he shot someone on Fifth Avenue, uh, he could not be charged. Uh, uh, President Trump has uh, an unlimited view of his powers as president of the United States. The Congress is there, created through the first article of the Constitution to keep uh, a president's power in check. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, just uh, real quick, and we'll be back here with Keith on Wisdom. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914. Keith Knutson from Viterbo, political scientist there uh, in studio with us. All right, so Bruce texted in, does Keith think, do you think that the Biden, that Biden wasn't asking for a favor? No, I don't think so. Uh, that was in conjunction with um, our allies and uh, uh, international institutions, the IMF. Uh, and so there was a an international consensus that the corrupt actors in the Ukrainian government needed to be gotten rid of in order to begin to clean things up. Fred texted in, uh, going back a couple of years, Keith, many of us think Obama abused his powers, yet he was never impeached. I hope you acknowledge there will be indictments of some or many in the former Obama administration. Uh, I do not acknowledge that. Um, uh, the, um, uh, the Obama administration uh, was one of the cleanest uh, administrations in recent American history, perhaps the cleanest. Kevin texted in. We were talking about Ron Kind and in and, and, and many different ways, not not just the fact that he that he didn't, you know, let on where which way he was going to vote. But just in general, Kevin texts in. Oh, tell your guests, tell, tell you, Keith, that Mr. Kind has great town hall meetings in places like Whitehall and Independence with huge crowds. He actually likes Ron, but you never hear of that. Oh, so uh, uh, sure. Uh, uh, members of Congress. Uh, Look, we as Americans generally like to beat up on our elected politicians. Um, I think that uh, we should acknowledge that uh, they're really hardworking people, and it's a big job to uh, have someone like uh, uh, Congressman Kind stay in uh, direct touch with his constituents, and uh, uh, not just Ron Kind. Um, Republicans, Democrats, these people are working hard, and I think we'd be a lot better off if we would respect their hard work. But also acknowledge, yes, what are we talking about when, when what is President Trump talking about when he, when, when he uses the term swamp? Um, there, there is a big money uh, contact. Uh, political scientists talk about mother's milk. Uh, money is the mother's milk of politics. Um, and uh, I don't want to uh, paint members of Congress as pristine, uh, but I do want to say that many, even most members of Congress, um, stay out of trouble, um, are not there just to make a buck, and in order to do their jobs and be reelected, They've got to work pretty hard to stay in touch with their constituents. One of the problems in our system, they're also going to attract a lot of money uh, in campaign contributions, and then they can overwhelm the opposition. We need need to get uh, money out of politics. We need to find a way of balancing the money system between uh, parties in power, elected representatives in power, and uh, making money available to challengers so we have a much fa- uh, 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 a more level playing field for candidates 
uh, to go up against one another. One reason incumbents win 90% of the time, one reason, yeah, um, is that they, they almost always get more money than the opponent. Yeah, it's funny. The, the, the things that are wrong in politics, we all know, and we all mostly agree on money. It's too much money. And then the fact that <clears throat> the, the, when we talk about term limits versus money, that's what I was trying to get at. Term limits, the, the Congress, they only have two-year terms. I feel like that almost is sh- too short. The uh, Hagedorn and, you know, in, in Minnesota, my district, he's a rookie. So his first term is going to be figuring or his first year is going to be figuring out how to be a congressman. And his second year is like town hall meetings. But while he's doing that, he has to raise money to get reelected the whole time. So I wonder how long, how much uh, time he takes to do that. I've read estimates that one third of the time of these members of Congress is spent raising money. Um, uh, most democracies have some kind of public financing, limiting the amount of money to be raised and spent on campaigns, and even limiting how much uh, television advertising um, and what kind of advertising is going to take place. Uh, we've got another caller. Caller, who is this? You're on the air with Keith. Hey, this is Jack. I got a question for your professor. I mean, I'm just curious. I, it's got to be a terrible spot for him to be in after all the conservative talk shows. But, uh, I mean, if if Donald Trump's son, Eric, was in, the, in a similar situation that uh, Biden's son is in, you know, with his, his drug addiction and is getting this money from Burisma, and do you think that uh, the press would leave that alone and sweep it under the rug the same as they did for Biden and and his son? I mean, if, if Eric or Don Jr. were were, you know, had a drug addiction problem and, and, and Trump was running for office or whatnot or presidency. I mean, I, you can't tell me that the news media wouldn't follow up, uh, you know, Trump did this today and his son did this. But with Biden's son, it seems like, oh, everybody's just supposed to forget about it. And I guess I, you know, the question he asked was, about the kickback the Biden family was getting due to Joel being in the position he was in, I guess is our feeling. And the reason I feel Nancy Pelosi doesn't want to submit this to the Senate is because she doesn't want the same treatment that she just gave Trump, that the majority voted against him and the minority had no say in it. And now that the Senate is a majority Republican, well, she don't want to be treated like she just treated him, which is absolutely ridiculous but i guess that's kind of my take on things i'd like to hear what you got to say sure so let's deal with the second question um well how about the first one uh uh, the media has not been overlooking hunter biden um his uh drug addiction is now public knowledge um uh questioning the judgment uh of the father uh, as well as the son uh, taking this job that's out there um bad judgment uh is not necessarily criminal right uh, hopefully for all of us that's the case um so uh, i don't think that uh, hunter biden has been uh, uh put under the rug on the second issue well b- before you get to that donald trump jr's hunting of an endangered mongolian sheep is under scrutiny <laughs> well i don't know if you saw that uh, i did see that um uh, of course, uh, President Trump did not uh, uh, do what most presidents have done in the past, take their wealth and put it into a blind trust. His business continues to run and his sons are running it. And uh, uh, that leads to, uh, just like with Hunter Biden and a job in Ukraine, 
the president's sons running uh, Donald Trump's uh, hotel business, whatever else they're they're doing, uh, leads to the question of um, unwarranted influence and contacts and making money uh, uh, a way a person should not. So um, I think a, a vice president, former vice president Biden and his son Hunter, uh, we've, we've not seen uh, uh, evidence of corruption there, bad judgment, I would say. Um, uh, and uh, uh, the president's sons, let's leave them alone. I mean, uh, perhaps uh, we don't want to tolerate corruption, but we don't want to unwarrantedly uh, go after a president's family. Um, and President Trump made the decision to keep his business. I think we keep the focus on the president and his judgment and the policies that come out of his administration uh, potentially as a result. Um, and Nancy Pelosi uh, uh, has uh, the institutional capacity to hold back these articles of impeachment. Um, uh, Leader McConnell has made it quite plain uh, he's not going to uh, be impartial uh, uh, where we presume uh, a, a jury, which is what the Senate is, uh, should try to engage in some degree of impartiality. As a matter of fact, our former Senator Russ Feingold ha just had a column on that today in, I, th I think, the Washington Post. Um, and, and so uh, that's, that's an institutional construction. Um, all right. So that's going to do it. We're going to take next week off, Keith, because it's Christmas. Oh, Merry so. Christmas, everybody, and to you especially, Rick. All right. Thanks a lot, you guys.